Hello again. Well, as I said a few times in my analyses of satanic introspection, in Paradise Lost, I think there are many people who have seen Milton's representation of Satan, the devil, as attractive, and his arguments uh, very empathetic to our own experiences and our own desires um, and our own faults, depending on your individual opinion of that, uh, that representation of the spirit of Satan. And even though I see Milton's argument as pretty clearly negative as regards Satan and his arguments, I think it's very important to present to present evil in an authentic way and i think that's what milton does in paradise lost and that's why satan has become such an attractive figure to so many people a figure of liberty individualism freedom um, intelligence and vitality in action So to really flush out that side of the argument, I wanted to present someone from the Romantic movement. Some would say the patron saint of the Romantic movement, William Blake, and his marriage of heaven and hell. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read the entirety of the marriage of heaven and hell, even though it's pretty short, but I'm going to read the the beginning portion, the in, the introduction, and then what um, what Blake calls the voice of the devil, and we'll see if um, his argument make makes sense. It's clearly a beautiful, it's clearly beautifully written, especially the beginning poem. Rintra roars and shakes his fires in the burdened air, and all that. But see how William Blake presents this argument and see if you find it appealing or see if it makes sense to you. And then given my own sentiments, I, I can't help but include a second reading, which will be the preface to The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, in which he in some ways responds to Blake and in doing so, in that preface, I think Lewis is pretty fair in saying that he doesn't see himself as a fit antagonist to such a genius as Blake. But Lewis wants to speak against this, this argument for the ultimate unity of all action and all ways of being. And that all... All life choices lead ultimately to the same salvation or perfection in the end. But see, see what you think of Blake's argument, and I will uh, leave it at that until the analysis. Hope you enjoy it. The Argument 
Rintraw roars and shakes his fires in the burdened air. Hungry clouds swag on the deep. Once meek and in perilous path, the just man kept his course along the vale of death. Roses are planted where thorns grow, and on the barren heath sing the honeybees. Then the perilous path was planted, and a river, and a spring on every cliff and tomb, and on the bleached bones red clay brought forth, till the villain left the paths of ease, to walk in perilous paths, and drive the just man into barren climes. Now the sneaking serpent walks in mild humility, and the just man rages in the wilds where the lions roam. Rintra roars and shakes his fires in the burdened air. Hungry clouds swag on the deep. As a new heaven is begun, it is now 33 years since its advent, the eternal hell revives, and lo, Swedenborg is the angel sitting at the tomb. His writings are the linen clothes folded up. Now is the dominion of Edom and the return of Adam into paradise. Without contraries, there is no progression, attraction and repulsion, reason and energy, love and hate are necessary to human existence. From these contraries spring what the religious call good and evil. Good is the passive that obeys reason. Evil is the active springing from energy. Good is heaven. Evil is hell. The voice of the devil. All Bibles or sacred codes have been the cause of the following errors. One that man has two real existing principles vis-a-vis -vis a body and a soul. Two, that energy called evil is alone from the body and that reason called good is alone from the soul. Three, that God will torment man in eternity for following his energies. But the following contraries to these are true. One, Man has no body distinct from his soul, for that called body is a portion of soul discerned by five senses, the chief inlets of soul in his age. 2. Energy is the only life, and is from the body, and reason is the bound or outward circumference of energy. 3. Energy is eternal delight. Those who restrain desire do so because theirs is weak enough to be restrained, and the restrainer, or reason, usurps its place and governs the unwilling. And being restrained, it by degrees becomes passive, till it is only the shadow of desire. The history of this is written in Paradise Lost, and the governor, or reason, is called Messiah and the original archangel or possessor of the command of the heavenly hosts is called the devil or Satan, and his children are called sin and death. But in the book of Job, Milton's Messiah is called Satan, for this history has been adopted by both parties. 
it indeed appeared to reason as if desire were cast out. But the devil's account is that the Messiah fell and formed a heaven of what he stole from the abyss. This is shown in the gospel, where he prays to the Father to send the comforter or desire that reason may have ideas to build on. The Jehovah of the Bible being no other than he who dwells in flaming fire. Know that after Christ's deaths, he became Jehovah. But in Milton, the Father is destiny, the Son a ratio of the five senses, and the Holy Ghost vacuum. Note, the reason Milton wrote in fetters when he wrote of angels and God and at liberty, one of devils and hell, is because he was a true poet and of the devil's party without knowing it. Blake wrote The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. If I have written of their divorce, it is not because I think myself a fit antagonist for so great a genius, nor even because I feel at all sure that I know what he meant. But in some sense or another, the attempt to make that marriage is perennial. The attempt is based on the belief that reality never presents us with an absolute, unavoidable either-or. That, granted skill and patience, and above all, time enough, some way of embracing both, in, both alternatives can always be found. That mere development or adjustment or refinement will somehow turn evil into good without our being called on for a final and total rejection of anything we should like to retain. But this belief I take to be a disastrous error. You cannot take all luggage with you on all journeys. On one journey, even your right hand and your right eye may be among the things you have to leave behind. We are not living in a world where all roads are the radii of a circle, and where all, if followed long enough, will therefore draw gradually nearer and finally meet at the center. Rather, in a world where every road after a few miles forks into two, and each of those into two again, and at each fork you must make a decision. Even on the biological level, life is not like a pool, but like a tree. It does not move towards unity, but away from it, and the creatures grow further apart as they increase in perfection. Good, as it ripens, becomes continually more different not only from evil, but from other good. I do not think that all those who choose wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists in being put back on the right road. A wrong sum can be put right but only by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. Evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. The spell must be unwound bit by bit, with backward mutters of dissevering power, or else not. It is still either or. If we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept earth, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. I, b I believe, to be sure, that any man who reaches heaven will find that what he abandoned, even in plucking out his right eye, was precisely nothing, 
and that the kernel of what he was really seeking, even in his most depraved wishes, will be there, beyond expectation, waiting for him in the high countries. In that sense, it will be true for those who have completed the journey, and for no others, to say that good is everything, and heaven everywhere. But we, at the end of this road, must not try to anticipate that retrospective vision. If we do, we are likely to embrace the false and disastrous converse and fancy that everything is good and everywhere is heaven. But, you ask, what of earth? I think, it will not be found by anyone to be in the end a very distinct place. I think earth, if chosen instead of heaven, will turn out to have been all along only a region in hell, and earth, if put second to heaven, to have been from the beginning a part of heaven itself.